And now, a word about our sponsor. The Kinky Boys podcast is brought to you by How to Kill a Superhero, the BDSM book series by author Pablo Green. If you've ever fantasized about a juicy muscle beast encased in lycra, bound and gagged, then your moment has arrived. This is the book series for fans of superhero fetish, bondage and transformation fetishes. The books are available on paperback and Kindle at the Amazon store in 13 countries. Book 3, Transformation Fetish, launches this fall. You can also buy autographed copies of the paperbacks, t-shirts, spandex wrestling singlets and bondage rope at howtokillersuperhero.net. Kinky Boys listeners can use the discount code KINKYBOYS, all the one word, for 15% off any order. Shipping is available worldwide. These books are pervy as pervy can be. How to Kill a Superhero, there's a power rising inside you. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. I'm Adam. And I'm Brock. Yes, Brock here is joining us as a special guest. Um, and today we're talking about protocol. Um, now, we ran into a bit of a problem because no one we know is that much into high protocol. Except for our fabulous guest. <laughs> well, I'm called to a master who believes very much in high protocol and I cannot claim any sort of expertise... Mm-hmm. But I've been given extensive training and extensive correction in the use of protocol. So I wonder if this perspective might be useful. Brilliant. Well, it's probably going to be a lot more useful than to uneducated people talking about what they've read on the internet. So, Entirely yeah. possible. Yes. <laughs> so let's get into it. Um, so what is high protocol? Well, I would say high protocol is a, it's basically a system of communication mm-hmm. that rather than simply behaving normally or treating people as friends and intimates, mm-hmm. you're very mindful of using a very respectful form of language and a very respectful form of address in addressing a dominant, a sir, a master, or a boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's very heavily based on language, and I drop I, I drop on my background. I used to be a teacher, so mm-hmm. uh, I used to have, to have to teach people how to speak correctly, so now I'm using those same skills for myself, but heavily based on language and words used and with a, with a strong emphasis on written communication. Okay. okay. Um, so one of the other perspectives that I've seen around has been um, things like body language, how you're supposed to sit, stand, and walk with your master, and all of that sort of stuff. Do you enjoy any of that? Do you do any of that? Well, I certainly practice a lot of it. Uh, it's something I neither enjoy it nor, I, or not, not enjoy it. It's just some, some aspect of my relationship with Sir. And yes, there are cer- there are certain rules that I follow regarding who stands where, and um, when he's walking in the street, for instance, I'm a few paces behind, a few paces to the side, and I'm on the side of the cars if we're walking on the sidewalk, for instance. So yes, there are quite a, quite a few rules about that. I've got rules as to how to stand in clubs, how to be in clubs, how to sit, how to kneel. There's rules for just about everything. It's not nearly as oppressive as it sounds. It's actually it's actually a lot more relaxed than it sounds because the rules. Uh, I mean, once once you learn them, you just they just become second nature after yeah. a short time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you said it's a lot about communication. What do you find you get out of it, or your sir gets out of it for the relationship or the interaction between you two? Well, one of the important points that I I feel I should make, and I haven't heard this from a lot of other people, but this is really big for me. The protocol helps compartmentalize the relationship in mind. It helps sharpen the distinction mm-hmm. between 
the dominant and the submissive. And so it helps basically, I guess, protect my relationship with Sir, so that the lines don't easily get blurred between being too chummy, too friendly, too casual, or too, I guess, too impersonal. It, it keeps things, it keeps things more or less, uh, aligned, separate. It keeps me mindful of, of, of the relationships there. And I enjoy that because, uh, it, because that's, the reason I'm in the relationship in the first place. This is the kind of relationship I wanted. And I like that, and the protocol helps me maintain that. Especially when, uh, for instance, if um, if I think I've done something wrong, or if I'm very excited or nervous, protocol helps sharpen the distinction, and that helps protect me as well. So it brings you back into the moment, keeps you mindful of the present, basically. Rather. Yes, and especially if, if, if for some reason I'm flustered or nervous, or if, if I, I think I've done something wrong, or if I'm really, really excited about something, forcing myself to observe a certain protocol, even if it's just a simple, a simple protocol of verbal address, mm-hmm. keeps me from running, letting my emotions sort of carry me away. It keeps me from you know, falling too much by the wayside with, uh, with that. Uh, and uh, especially if, for instance, if I'm feeling chagrined, or if I think I've done something wrong, then it, it sort of prevents me from descending into a, oh, no, I screwed everything up, blah, 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 that kind of negative headspace. Mm-hmm. It keeps things proper. And that, 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 that I found that's helped me on many occasions. Oh wow! Would you say that it's um, that because it strengthens the relationship as people who are not equal, as you as the submissive and your sir as the dominant, that it might not necessarily be a good idea if you were trying to develop a relationship as boyfriends, for example. I can't think of how protocol would be useful for two equal partners or boyfriends, uh, husbands, and all that. I, I I don't see how that's useful because to me it reinforces an inequality. It reinforces a difference. Mm-hmm. If one has to one has to be mindful of very respectful, very formal language in addressing the other, and the other does not necessarily do the same, I cannot see how a relationship among equals would find this terribly useful unless it's just um just a role play or or a game or, or mm-hmm. such a thing. Because if you don't mind me going into your personal situation, you have a boyfriend. As yes, well I as do. a sir who is separate. Yes, yeah, so I, I've actually got I've got two men. I'm one, I'm one of the, the very lucky ones. Uh, and so when I when I made a point about making the distinction clear, that also protects me because it helps helps me not blur the lines between my relationship with my partner and my relationship with my master. And it protects them also because my partner knows that the more the more attention I pay to my form with sir the less likely I am to mix that up. So it gives my partner some security, and it gives Sir some security, that I'm not going to sort of fudge these two altogether, that I can actually maintain these two separate relationships simultaneously. And the form is how I do it. So it helps provide a very definite structure. It certainly does that. Yes. So I know a lot of people that tend to get a bit edgy around the idea of um, high protocol, just because it calls back to the very old guard, you have to do this this way. I mean, have you... So... Lots of people, especially like newer guards, tend to get a bit edgy around the idea of high protocol because it calls back a lot of the negative stereotypes about the old guard. But um, obviously for you it's quite helpful. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? Or? Well, the way I see it, I don't do this because I am forced to do it. No one points a gun to my head and says, you must speak this way, you must act this way. This is all my choice, as is everything else in, in this relationship. And the way I see it is I choose to use a formal respectful and appreciative form of communication with mm-hmm. sir to show my respect and gratitude it's a very it, for me it's a very positive relationship it's a very uh, intimate and caring relationship and i express that 
by showing a, by using a very respectful form of address. This is something I do for him because I want to do it for him because I think he's worth it. I think it's important uh, that I give him that acknowledgement because he's a, he's a very positive force in my life, and this is a way to do that. So if you, it's a very personal thing. It is not a standardized formula you think people should follow. Yes. Th- now I'm speaking from my own personal yeah, experience. This is course. this is what works for me. I don't know whether it works for anyone else, uh, but I and I do it from a very personal personal perspective mm-hmm. as well. I did not go and, and search online for how to use protocol, for instance. Uh, these are these are either things that uh, Sir and I came up with together, or I came up with them myself. And some some of the the rules I actually came up with myself because I thought this would be a respectful way. Uh, to address him, and it would also help me with my own headspace. So some of the rules are actually from me, not from him. Hmm. So I do think that is part of it. The big thing is creating your own rules. A lot of the negative feelings towards it come from when they're trying to be forced uniformly upon people. I mean, to give an example, the other night, um, I was hanging out with a lot of the Bluff Club members. And um, we got standing around the patio heater, and I started having a cigar. And someone mentioned, oh, you wouldn't be able to have a cigar at um, Bluff Club because you're a sub. And I was like, then I'm not going to there. I don't want, you know, there was a part of outrage. In, I mean, I didn't express it this way, but there was a part of, how dare you tell me what I can and can't do in my own personal subdom? Well, some of the old practices from the old, old days do make sense given the context. Um, you mentioned earlier when you're walking in public, how you would need to be a certain number of paces back and closer to traffic. Um, that wasn't necessarily just from, um, just from a perspective of respect. It was also to try and keep it, keep your relationship together hidden back in the days of illegal, um, of the criminalization of homosexuality. So some of them, you can sort of make sense why certain things would be prescribed, but Again, in others, it just seems restrictive for the sake of restriction to a modern eye, which... Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I always bring up the example of Leviticus. A lot of the rules in the Leviticus Bible verses actually seem quite crazy to us, like the whole thing about eating shrimp and pork and mixing fabrics. Here's the thing. This was an art... Bronze Age? Bronze Age. Bronze Age um, desert community. If you mixed fabrics... They wouldn't breathe, so you'd overheat in the day and freeze at night. Um, and, of course, shrimp and pork spoil really easily in a desert, so you can't have them. They were basically health and safety regulations, which now seem crazy, but they had a definitive purpose for their time. Yeah, they made sense in that yeah. context. And this is the, I think a lot of people, there are purposes for our traditions in the leather community. Just remember why they're important. They're not important because they are traditions. They are traditions because they had a purpose. And in these day and age, the purpose may no longer be relevant. But, and so it comes down to what you as an individual then want to do, as opposed to what is forced upon you. I mean, I always remember, I have a friend who was a master in training, and he was being taught a lot of protocol to be with his sub um, from an older master, and he was going, I have difficulty with the thing that the sub should always stand behind me on the right. And the older master said, well, of course, you're left-handed. So have your sub stand on the left. Because the whole point of that standing behind on a certain angle is so you can easily hand things to him and take things from your sub. So if they're standing on the right and you're left-handed, you know, what's the point? 
Well, this, this, I really think this should be a very personal thing because anyone can go and find a whole list of rules for behavior. Yeah. And, I mean, don't forget, some of these rules were adapted from military service. Mm-hmm. It was returning GIs yeah. from World War II that, that sort of helped birth the uh, leather culture. So anyone can go and find Depending a list of rules. Depending on the legend you believe. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> some, of those, some of those legends are lost to the sands of time, but uh, mm. some of them certainly have military origin. And anyone can find a list of rules. Mm-hmm. And in any given list a whole bunch are probably going to be inapplicable to your given situation. Mm-hmm. And you might find some work really well for you. You might mm-hmm. find others make no sense or you, you don't like them. We're doing this because this is something that we enjoy and that we find fulfilling. So why should we bind ourselves to rules that either we don't understand or that simply rub us the wrong way? And equally, why should you not bind yourself to something that you would enjoy? Yes. Just because other people think, well, it's outdated. Yes, but most of what we do makes no sense but we still enjoy it. Well, some so, of the rules I follow would probably make no sense if I were to explain them now to, to most of you, but they make sense mm-hmm. to me. They, they work for my relationship with Sir, and mm-hmm. in that sense, I'm perfectly happy to follow them. And I'm, I'm happy to share what the rules are, and if someone else does not want to follow those rules, that's fine. You'll have your own. You'll, you'll find your own way to do it. Um, I don't do any of this entirely in a bubble. This is done within the context of my relationship with uh, the dominant whom I've asked, who asked to call him. So that we do this within the context of that relationship. But as mm. I said, some of them are very personal to me. Some of them are ones that I've come up with myself, and they work really well for me, and I'm happy to follow them. And if you make your own rules, and if they work for you, what are the chances that you're willingly going to break them? Exactly. Yeah. yeah um, what did we have next on the list? Next is we always go into safety concerns and being risk-aware and safe-saving consensual. Now, some people may be asking, well, you know, if they're a self-set of rules, what can be dangerous about iProtocol? Um, I think the main danger comes from consent issues when you're in a public space. Mostly from other people expecting you to follow certain... And there's also, unfortunately, uh, the question of when you do enter into a relationship which is inherently unequal, protecting yourself emotionally can sometimes be something you need to be aware of. Uh, abusive relationships do exist, and they do exist in the BDSM community, and you do have to be much more aware, because we do start blurring the lines. So, yes. Well, ultimately, you have two responsible adults, mm-hmm. each of whom is responsible for himself in this kind of relationship. Regardless of who's dominant or how dominant, who's submissive or how submissive, you're still talking about responsible adults. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I say... Subs have a responsibility to speak up. There have been occasions where, um, do you mind, Adam, do you mind us going into? Go for it. Um, Adam has a little brother. Yep. Um, who lives in America. And he came over. And one of the things he was going to do was, uh, ritualistic style head shaving of him. Because, of course, I love head shaving and yep. teasing and torturing the puppy. <laughs> um, of course, you could clearly see he was really, really unhappy about it and really uneasy. And we basically had to drag it out of him that he didn't want to do it. The poor boy wanted to, and because it seemed like a great idea at the time, and then the moment it became more real, suddenly the realisation of what would happen afterwards kicked in, and... He still wanted to impress us. He still wanted to make us happy. He still wanted to be the good boy. And it's not a good idea to suppress your own protect, um, your idea of self-preservation for the sake of pleasing someone else because that 
will only ever lead you to feeling more pain and more resentment towards the other person after a while. It's, yeah, you do have to look after yourself. Yeah, yeah here I think is where there is a potential danger with high protocol. And uh, this this is really very, very personal. I, I mean, again, I can only speak from my own experience. But if protocol impedes a sub's ability to express something that needs to be expressed, for instance, I'm uncomfortable with a certain thing, or this is pushing me too too much far past t- too far past my limit or i sense that this is going to be a big problem you know momentarily if protocol inhibits a sub's ability to express that it could be a problem and in some cases it could even be a big problem and i have personally had had cases where and, and nothing nothing too big usually very minor ones but i felt that um, i probably should have expressed some reluctance or some resistance and i didn't mm-hmm. and as a result although Maybe nothing bad necessarily happened, but the communication was slightly impeded, and that that might have detracted from the overall scene. So would you then start advocating safe words, even in the case of protocol? Or perhaps not a safe word, but a signal, saying there is something I need to bring up. I would say yes, it's probably a very good idea to have such things, and this can be very sensitive from a sub's perspective, because if if the protocol is mixed with a strong desire to please... Mm. Then we can be re- we can be reluctant sometimes to use a safe word. Well, you know, I I don't want to, de- to take away from the flow of the scene, or or what if Sir thinks any less of me or anything like that. And and these are feelings that even experienced subs will have from time to time. Mm. Especially if you really really want to make Sir happy, or it's a special occasion, or if you're out in public, we can be very reluctant, even when we really need to use such a safe word to actually use it. So yes, safe words are certainly important, uh, and also the context of being able to use them when it's necessary. Even when the issue might not be major, it might be a minor issue, but sometimes it is still necessary to say, something might be wrong, I may not be able to express exactly what it is, but could we pause for a second? Hmm. Yeah, and with all this talk of personal responsibility, I do feel it should be said we are not victim-blaming. A lot of people, if they've gone for a bad sexual experience, sometimes have this guilt that maybe they should have not frozen up, or you know they should have spoken up louder or before. You know, we're not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. You do have a responsibility to protect yourself, but you also do absolutely have a responsibility not to hurt other people. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. if we look back at, at a scene, don't forget, we can always look back and say, oh, I should have done this, mm. or I should have done that. But remember, at the time, we made what we felt was the best decision we could, given yeah. what we knew at the time. We don't, and we didn't necessarily have the benefit of hindsight then. So there's, I mean, there's, there's no point blaming the victim in that case. We made the decision that we felt mm-hmm. was right, at that time. Yeah. And the other thing is, not just what goes on at the time, but afterwards. Can you sit down with this person and have a clear conversation and discuss what happened? Because, you know, I've had a scene where um, I've been flogging someone and I was learning and early. And I went too hard, too fast and massively overdid it and wasn't able to pick up on his signs through my own ignorance. And we had to have the sit down talk afterwards where I admitted my mistakes, listened to his concerns, listened to... Um, the problems which I caused, and I had to be open to apologising and basically being able to talk about and discuss it like adults. This is a big thing, is even after something's happened, you should still try and resolve it in a mature manner. Well, and well, any Dom worth his soul will sit down and listen to you. Yeah. One of the things that came up um, with, with Sir, which I think might be, it might be helpful mm-hmm. to someone, because I certainly found it mm-hmm. helpful to me, is we, ha- we had to establish that... There were times that I needed to communicate something that I felt unable to because of protocol, mm-hmm. or because simply I didn't have the words for it, or I felt some kind of internal resistance mm-hmm. towards it. 
So we actually came up with a protocol for expressing that didn't work, but I can't necessarily say why. Or that had an undesirable consequence, mm-hmm. but it's also very difficult for me to, to break protocol to say it. So we actually came up with a protocol, uh, a way of expressing something is wrong, even in a non-specific way, without actually taking apart the roles. In fact, we found a way to do it within the roles. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a certain uh, body posture I can adopt and certain words I can use. Uh, so we've, I found that that actually is very helpful, especially when uh, things have gone a little bit wrong, but I cannot specifically pinpoint, oh, it's, it's exactly A, B, and C. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I know a lot of um, power exchange couples where they have a protocol in place, they have a set time like once a month or once a fortnight um, where they have a set time where the protocol is dropped and they have a mature discussion about things that have been bothering them. So you don't need to discuss it at the time, but you can log it to be brought up in that discussion. And they do it for an hour, and they resolve it, and after that, they go straight back into high protocol. That sounds like a very good idea. Yeah. This sounds to me like you're having an HR meeting. <laughs> um, I have to say... Okay, disclosure. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've actually started doing this with my boyfriend. Okay. Not for power exchange reasons, just for... Um, we find it works really well. Um, like little things about like, you know, I've been leaving the washing up too long. He's not making the bed, that sort of stuff. You know, little nagging things that all couples have. Hmm. If we just have like a time where it's blameless and we just listen and we, um, and it helps and it is like a HR meeting. We use very business-like terms and that's very deliberate because it takes out the accusatory, sorry, accusatory nature of it all. Hmm. It's like, instead of, you made me feel, it's, I have felt this because of this. And it does help to have a very serious business-like tone because it takes out the emotional charge. And it's a big help. It yeah. seems weird at first, I know, but... Hey, if it, it works for you, it yeah. works for you. Is Go it, for it. That, that's where formal language comes into play, because sometimes it can be used to shield. You don't have to yeah. worry about, about overly emotional language. Yeah. Uh, it is possible sometimes, and especially if you're feeling over-emotional or perhaps mm. possibly even vulnerable... To use formality of language almost as a, as a crutch, something that can yeah. that can help you along. Mm. Yeah. Uh, there's another another system that we have, which we've we've managed to fix into the formality, which I find has had has worked very well, and we've had good results. Is um, within a fixed time period, in our case, 48 hours, mm-hmm. after an experience, especially if it's a big experience, I will provide written feedback. Now that That's means good. I don't necessarily. I will sometimes have something to say at mm-hmm. the time of, and if I do not or cannot say it, then I've got two days to think about it, and that al- that allows me to put it in a way that not only fits within the protocol that still mm-hmm. adheres to all of the all of the restrictions that uh, uh, that I, I follow, but still it get, lets mm-hmm. me express what needs to be expressed in a formal manner, in a structured manner, and mm-hmm. of course, when when you're writing something down, you can always go back and edit your thoughts later before you send it. I mean, I have heard of DOMs um, having their subs write a sub-journal or sub-diary, and where they write down their thoughts and feelings at the time and their experiences, and the DOM will then read it to get a feel of what's going on inside their sub's head as well as a form of communication. Well, I think it might, it might, we might make the point also that that would be very much adhering to uh, to, to protocol, because protocol is not is not about the sub concealing his own feelings behind formal language. Mm-hmm. It's using formal language as a tool to help him express them. And the sub, I believe the sub should absolutely be able to express himself because when the relationship really involves a proper exchange of, of feelings and thoughts and ideas, then it will be a good relationship. And if that, if that can be a tool to help the sub express certain feelings, then I think that could, that could be very useful. Yeah. So 
um, continuing the theme of um, consent issues, um, a lot of the time I have heard of and sometimes seen some doms try and butt in on a couple and try and use the fact that the boy or pup is in high protocol to basically pressure themselves on, on the pup. Because in a lot of high protocol cases, you can't outright say no. Yes. I think that's a very... That's a, that's a sticky situation. Mm. Um, if, if if a sub is, is, is observing mm. high protocol and doesn't want to be seen saying no, yeah. and it's important to emphasize, does not want to be seen saying no, or does not want to be seen to be rude... Uh, or there can be some very, there can, in some cases, perhaps be some very inappropriate advances. Right. It can be very, very tricky for a sub to express the idea of your advances are unwelcome in a manner that is consistent with protocol. And uh, the temptation might be for some of us to say, I'm with someone, I would, I'd, I'd, I'm not interested. And, but even that might but violate the rules of, of protocol. Mm. And that can be a, a very sticky situation for some subs, particularly in public. Particularly when their masters or bosses mm-hmm. or sirs are there, and others are trying to sort of, as you say, butt in or or take advantage that the sub can't say no in that moment. Yeah, I've been in a situation where someone once saw that I was submissive and then decided, ah, that means you want it, and it was. It's a very unpleasant experience to go through because you have to, you sort of, you start giving hints. And then you have to give more blatant hints, and then you have to break character, and then you have to just be outright rude. And by the end of it, you feel, well, it's completely broken the flow of your evening. Yeah, that can be very destructive headspace. It's not pleasant to have to go through. So, like, with your sir, do you have anything you can use that would get, say, your sir to help out with this? Because that way, at least the protocol is still being observed. I do have subtle signals that I can give. There are certain things I can do, act, certain actions I can perform, that without anyone else no, no, noticing, send the message that uh, this situation that I'm in here is not comfortable for me, and I would like to be removed from it. Or I'd like mm-hmm. to, it's sort of like, like a rescue signal. And mm-hmm. there, there are very subtle ways that we can do that, mm-hmm. and ways that I hope are completely uh, in line with protocol and also completely invisible to everyone else. Uh, no one wants to be rude to anyone in a club. No one wants to have to say, no, sorry, I'm not interested, please go away. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one wants to do that. Hmm. Especially not someone who is with their, their master or their sir or their boss. They're trying to impress them. They're trying to be formal. They're trying to observe protocol. So, yes, a few subtle, subtle signals that I can give. Uh, and then if sir sees that, he will immediately know that, and that the situation needs to be changed, and then he will come in and do something mm-hmm. about it. Okay. Yeah. I think one point that is probably useful to make is that... Uh, Protocol is and should should be a very personal thing. Just because a sub is following protocol with one dom doesn't mean every man who comes along gets the same treatment. No, if I'm in a true. club with Sir, I will use I will use high protocol with him, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm avail I'm available for everyone. In fact, I'm certainly not. So just because someone is doing it with one person is not automatically licensed for another dom uh, to come in and say I want some of that too. I think this point needs to be made. Mm. I mean, I do remember a story told to me by another person where they was in a high-protocol but puppy situation, so he couldn't talk, and in the club. He was on a leash on all fours, and another dom came over and started talking to his dom and casually started um, pressing the pup's face into his crotch, constantly. And the dom tried to help out by basically taking him around to the other side, and the guy edged over and clearly was clearly ignoring the hint. And so in the end, the sub just had to get up, Take off his mask and just say, stop that. Um, 
At which point the whole scene is broken and yeah. every, and frankly yeah. the evening is made significantly worse. Yes, but it, it shouldn't really come to that. No, it shouldn't come to that. If it does, that is what you have to do. Even if it ruins the evening, your personal safety is more important yes. than a scene. Absolutely. Hmm. And I always remember ending with um, the nasty third-party Dom just saying, how dare you, I'm a sir. And the pup just replied, but you're not my sir. Exactly the point. Yes. This is all. This is all very, very personal. And if someone were to do that to me, I, I don't know how I'd be acting in, in public. Um, and yes, uh, but afterwards, if such a thing does happen, an open and honest conversation between dominant and submissive, I think, oh. is I think it, it, this could be made a very useful learning point, and perhaps this could be what catalyzes the development of certain protocols, certain mm-hmm. signals, certain certain hints bet- from the sub to the dom that. This situation needs to be addressed right now. Yeah, very good. Um, now, we've talked a lot about the communication and the relationship structure. I think it's also important to remember some people find this hot. You know, there is an erotic aspect to it. Um, basically because, again, it reinforces the roles. It makes someone feel subby or feel... Um, I don't dominant. Want to use, yeah, dominant or... I don't want to use the word inferior, but, you know, for some people that is a big thing. Fe- actually feeling inferior to someone is a turn-on. And was some people that worked mm-hmm. very well. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge service sub, and I like the idea of performing ritual. It's, I mean, in a weird way, my, one of my favourite animes is Black Butler, and that focuses a lot of filler episodes on how a butler should be presented, how he serves his master, and this is kind of, not porn for me, but, you know, I really enjoy just seeing that whole, you know, and ritualistically and something behind there, and serving the tea this way. And I'd love to do that in a power exchange setting. I'm sorry, that's awesome. You gigantic nerd, I love you all the more. And that that brought up images of Downton Abbey, I, I have to yeah. say it. I, I, I thought of Carson when he said that. Um, okay, well... Actually, I like I like that point because that uh, reminded me of uh, of something else, and this is in a way it's almost so automatic for me. I don't mm-hmm. think about it, but uh, and I guess this might apply for you as well. When we serve well, we can certainly take pride in that. Yeah. There, there is a level of pride in saying, "Okay, well, I, I've I've behaved excellently. I've performed well. I've used all the correct language. I've I've done a great mm-hmm. job. I've made Sir really really happy by serving very very well." We can certainly take yeah, pride in that. This was a great pride and comfort and. An ego boost, really, which... <laughs> and sometimes it leads to um, further erotic encounters after yes. that, and that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> you, yes. you boys are both awesome, and I love you. We love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, I think, that's, I think that has covered a lot of um, service styles. So we have a backup topic, or secondary topic, which is reviewing um, the UK's first Mr. Puppy competition. Ooh. Hosted and basically created by Adam and a team of... Yep, it was you, me, and a couple others. And yes, this has taken up way more effort than I ever realised it was going to, and I have so much more respect for anyone in event management now. Seriously, you guys make it look so much easier than it really is. Well, this was basically ten months' worth of effort, but, I mean, we... we we all went to Mr. Puppy Europe in February, and we, we came back thinking, wouldn't it be really, really awesome to be able to bring this to the UK? Mm. And we spent from February till November, pretty much the entire time, figuring out what the heck are we going to do? How are we going to do this? 
because of course we had we had we we had to pull this out of thin air. None of us have any experience in the field before. We called on some of our friends who did have more experience in this matter, and oh my god, the amount of shit they had to put up with from us because we just well we were learning, and it was like teaching a bunch of toddlers sometimes, and ah. Uh, we did it, and we couldn't have done it without literally all of them, and I am so grateful to all of them, and everyone who came in and joined in, and all of the judges and all of the audience members, and just everyone. Thank fuck it's over, and I can <laughs> sleep again. <laughs> so, if someone is thinking of starting up their own um, kink title, or leather title, or rubber title, or whatever title, what advice would you give to them? Well, I have one piece of advice, and I, w- I think we're, we're probably <laughs> unanimous in this. Get support. There's plenty of people out there who w- would be delighted to support you. you. Don't do this in a vac- vacuum. There's, lo- there's leathermen, there's rubbermen, there's puppies out there who would genuinely be delighted to help support someone else who wants to contribute a- another title to the community. Ask. I, know, I think we personally w- would be thrilled to be able to get involved if someone wanted to do such a thing. Yes, get as much help as you can. Plan and organize and communicate as much as you possibly can and share everything you talk about with absolutely everyone. The amount of times we all screwed up and made each other far more stressed than we needed to just because one person wasn't in on a group email was uh, more than I can count. And again, a very, very important lesson and one I'm glad I've learned. (laughs) Don't make this mistake. Seriously, we nearly lost the event twice because of this. Um, It will cost you money, and you will need to put together as much savings and as much fundraising and as much help as you can possibly get, because this is more expensive, both in time and money and resources, than you expect walking into it. Um, If there is an established venue that already gets, like, a monthly audience or something, try starting there rather than finding a new venue because they're more likely to support you. Um, When we first started, we were originally looking in London, which is great because it's where all the kinksters are and it's where all the other competitions are. But there's no really well-established puppy um, nights or socials or anything like that in London at the moment. There used to be, but then, meh. Then politics. But there was one in Birmingham. And so we tried for ages to get a venue in London, and we just couldn't. And then we asked, like, as almost a second thought, really, and that's a horrible thing to admit, but the Pup Social, which is a really well-established and brilliant night in Birmingham, and suddenly we had the best ally we could possibly have asked for who helped us from start to finish and was amazing. And the fact that none of us thought to ask sooner is uh, frankly embarrassing. So again, this was a very important lesson, one I'm very glad I've learned. Do not make this mistake. Talk to people. Use the established method things around you. The less you can make out of whole cloth, the far easier this is going to be for you. Yeah, another point that maybe uh, maybe is, is worth mentioning, just simply is keep an eye on where your focus should be. 
our focus was really giving something awesome to to the pups, to the community. We wanted to make an event that people would walk out of and say, wow, what what an amazing weekend. I can't wait to do the next one. It, we didn't go into this thinking, okay, I'm going to make so, so, such, an, such an amount of money or I'm going to get this or, or et cetera. We basically just wanted to create something fun. And the look on people's faces, we saw some people were just absolutely thrilled, regardless of whether they were in the contest or not, regardless of how they placed in the contest or what their role was, we just saw people being excited and happy. So if anyone wants to do such a thing, great. Go in thinking you want to make people happy, want to make people excited, and watch the magic happen. That's really good, because um, naming their names, there has been talk around um, how a lot of the London titles are handled and what they're used for. I know some where the contestant doesn't even keep the sash and they're not made use of. And that is, frankly, something I really disagree with on a personal level. Um, If you're going to be given a title, then at the very least, you should be allowed to use it to do something. Otherwise, what is it? It's a couple of words on a piece of paper that no one will ever hear again. If you're not going to become a public face of something... If you're not going to do anything with these words attached to your piece of paper, then why even bother having it? So what are your hopes for the Mr. Puppy title? Well, Spot, our winner, has already done so, so much for the puppy community. I Part of me coming out as a puppy is actually down to his website and his blog from back in the olden days whilst I was still discovering myself. So... If we can promote him and promote that and get the word out even further than it already is for him, then frankly, that's good enough as far as I'm concerned. Everything else we do, and there is a lot we're going to be doing with him, is all just bonus and filler. As long as one extra person can go, I am not a freak. This is something I do enjoy. This is something other people enjoy. This is something I will do, and this will make me happy. That's it. That's all we needed to do, and it was worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, we've got a vision for what we want Mr. Puppy to be, and uh, a lot of that is based on outreach. Reaching out to people either who are already in the community and improving their experience, mm-hmm. or who are about, maybe about to join the community and sort of encouraging them to take that step, all the way to people who maybe they've only had an inkling that this might be something that, that can interest them, or they've got no clue, but deep down inside them there's a puppy that's just waiting to come out. So a lot of it is a lot of our vision is based on outreach. We have lots of ideas, and I don't, I don't know how many of these will will uh, will come forth. Hopefully, many of them will. But we've got lots of ideas, and we've got a lot of excitement and enthusiasm about this. And I would personally like to see us reach out to as many pups as possible in the UK and beyond. Uh, we will also be dragging him, obviously, to Mister Puppy Europe to represent the okay. UK. I have a feeling this is going to be a somewhat one-sided thing. He is a very, very good puppy, and unless the other countries can bring forth someone equally good, this could well be a cakewalk for him. Well, let, let's, ju- oh, let's just say to all the other <laughs> let's just say to all the other European countries, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, yeah, anything else you want to add about the puppy competition? We're already looking, looking towards next year to, to see what we can do, to see mm-hmm. what we can, we, we can bring and create. Uh, anyone who has any ideas or might like to get involved or simply wants to say, Hey, uh, I think this would be, this would be great. By all means, please get in touch with us. We are not, we are, we're, we're very keen to, for new ideas. We're 
more than happy to, to use this to, to make friends, to bring in other people. And we'd love to hear from you. Yep, you can contact the team on and Twitter with Mr. Puppy UK, or there's a Mr. Puppy UK um, page on Facebook, which you can also contact us with. Um, yeah. yeah, or if or you just want... contact us direct uh, uh, directly yourself. We, I mean, we really would love to hear from anyone who would like to contribute. Cool. Um, so I think that's it for today's episode. Um, you can write into No Safe. Uh, we are not the No Safe Watch Show. No, this is you because re- I came listening to it. You should probably edit that bit out. I will, I will. <laughs> um, so you can write into the Kinky Boys Podcast at kinkyboyspodcast at gmail.com. I fixed it. Yay! Um, I fixed Professionalism! It. We co- got there! And <laughs> um, we have a Facebook page, Kinky Boys Podcast, and we have a Twitter account at kinkyboyspod if you wish to contact it at all. And we're open to suggestions feedback or just writing stories if you've got something to say we'd love to hear it um i'm craig you can contact me at at mousyboy at mousyboy on twitter or um life of mouse on tumblr um i'm adam you can contact me on at gkp boy geeky kinky puppy boy um on twitter or diesel pup on tumblr uh, and I'm Brock, and you can contact me on Twitter at Brock. That's P-U-P-B-R-O-C-K. Thank you. From all of us, good night. Okay. Hi, folks. Craig here. Just wanted to say, if you wish to write in to give us um, opinions, feedback, or even show suggestions, you can email us at kinkboyspodcast at gmail.com. That's kinkboyspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Kinky Boys Podcast. And we have a Twitter at Kinky Boys Pod. You can reach us at any of these and we're very welcoming for any feedback, suggestions or show ideas. If you wish to appear on the show talking about a very particular fetish you may have, please feel free to write in.